0: Welcome to Voices of the Valley, a new radio show where we will be interviewing growers, entrepreneurs, educators, and technologists who are inventing new solutions for today's and tomorrow's challenges on the farm. I'm your host, Dennis Donahue, the lead of the Western Growers' Center for Innovation and Technology. And each episode, we will be exploring what's challenging and new in agricultural innovation. Good morning. This morning we're joined by uh, Rob McBride, the, uh, one of the co-founders of Boost Biomes, which uh, which I think is a pretty pretty exciting company and uh, enjoying a lot on the surface, enjoying a lot of success, raising some money and making some progress. So let's just start with telling us about Boost Biomes and what you do and why you're interested
1: in the wonderful world of agriculture. Um. First of all, good morning, Dennis. Great to be here with you. Yeah, Thanks for the invitation. Um, I'd love to tell you a little bit more about Boost Biomes. Uh, we have had um, some, some great success over the last year and a few months. Uh, we, we got started at the uh, beginning of January in 2017 with really just a good idea and some folks who believed in us, which was very exciting for us, so we started off in the Illumina Accelerator. That's how we got our, our start. We spent six months there. We moved to J-Labs, and of course, along the way, we got a desk at the Western Groves Center Health no, we Innovation Technology, that. which has been instrumental in helping us to, to move forward. But fundamentally, what we are, we are a company um, that has a technology that allows us to identify microbes that we can uh, use to help agriculture. Right? So our first focus is in agriculture. And really, if we take a step back and we ask the question, why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we developing this technology? Why do we care in the first place? Um, We're we're a bunch of people who have a background in science, and we're really motivated and interested in developing solutions for challenges that we find exciting. And we are sort of unified uh, around one challenge that we think is both important now and will become important in the future, more important in the future, and that is uh, we've got a, a planet that has fixed resources, and we have a population that's growing. Um, and it, you know, it's predicted that by 2050, we'll have around 10 billion people on the planet. And um, given uh, the fact that those 10 billion people are all going to want a certain standard of living, um, it's suggested that we will need to, on each unit of land, improve productivity by between 70 and 100 percent. So we almost have to double productivity. Right to feed 10 billion people. And so how do we do that? Right? When you look at some of the challenges facing agriculture today, one of the main ones is is the challenges that that, that pests uh, provide. Um, some crops, such as soybeans, you know, they can lose up to 80% of their crops with existing strategies today. Right? Due to fungal pests alone. Um, traditional strategies to manage pests. We've had a lot of success with chemical strategies. Uh, these um, th- th- they're expensive. To develop, taking between you know, uh, 10 to 12 years and over 200 million dollars to develop a new chemical pesticide, so development is expensive, and then once you've developed it, there is a lot of regulatory challenges associated with that. Many chemicals, um, you know, due to their negative externalities. For the environment and for the people who put them into the field are being increasingly regulated, some of them are regulated out of use. So there's a regulatory component to making the use of these chemicals difficult. Um, there's also a resistance issue, right? There's a lot of pests that have become resistant to the chemical strategies that have been deployed uh, against them. And then the third thing that's challenging these chemicals is uh, the consumer, right? The consumer doesn't want to eat things that have um, a lot of chemicals that could potentially have negative health impacts. And so, um, you know, in the last five or, or, or ten or so years, a, a large group of people have been increasingly working on developing biological solutions. And um, the, 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 the opportunity in biological solutions is that you can develop a biological solution faster and um, for less money than you can a chemical solution. By the way, the, the, the number of new chemicals coming onto the market has dropped off precipitously, right? So there aren't a lot of new chemical solutions. There are some new biological solutions coming onto the market. But the biggest issue with biological solutions is their efficacy across um, geography and their efficacy across climate gradients, right? So, so they work well on this field in Iowa. They don't well, work well on this field in Kansas, right? So that's a big issue with biologicals. And the key, you know, the primary issue facing people in the biological space is how do you do you interrogate the huge amount of microbial diversity to find the microbe or the small group of microbes that'll actually work in a commercially relevant setting. And different people have different approaches, right? And we very much appreciate the approaches that the other companies in the space are taking. We started our company because our approach is different, and we think it uniquely allows us the opportunity to find. Uh, microbial biopesticides that are more effective than traditional microbial biopesticides and we can find them more quickly and for less money than traditional approaches.
0: So are you working by geography soil type or once you get into our neck of the woods in California a lot of different specialty crops a lot of different varieties do you need to focus on high volume varieties or how do you take Excellent more than question. the, so
1: the, the, the um, you know a journey of a 1,000 miles begins with a single step. And our experience from working in startups is that with a technology that has the breadth of application that ours does, the only way that we can be successful is by focusing. And so thankfully, right, uh, we are a mere hour and a half away from the Salinas-Watsonville Valley. Um, which is very exciting for us because you are the um, the breadbasket of America when it comes to high-value crops, right? You produce, I don't know. Well, we, s- le- we like to
0: consider ourselves the freshness. <laughs> the freshness, the there you go.
1: <laughs> 70% of leafy greens, 90% of strawberries. These are crops that um, are, are very important but are often overlooked by some of the big players um, in agriculture due to the fact that they aren't a traditional row crop. And so for a company like ours, we think this is an amazing opportunity for us to focus on the challenges that face high-value agriculture because the acreage is small and our ability to bring a solution to market in, a, in an accelerated fashion is increased by focusing on this particular yeah, area. I and mean, we have to deal with
0: the same uh, the yeah,
1: regulatory... The regulatory bodies, absolutely. We deal with exactly the same regulatory bodies, but if, you know, when you think about, for example, trying to develop a solution for, for corn... Right, the, the 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 amount of area and the amount of space that you have to uh, interrogate the efficacy of that is is large, and the cost is huge. Right, we're a small company; we have limited resources. We have to move quickly, and we have to be agile. And the way for us to do that is to focus on an area like strawberries, for example. Right, where we have so much production in a very uh, con, you know defined area, right, right. we have the ability to get a lot of field trials done that are relevant in, in a shorter period of time. Right? right. Yeah. Right, and so that would seem.
0: And, I, and I'm guessing that's a bit of the basis for some of the investment you've attracted because when you talk about uh, uh, feeding the world and looking in the out years 20, 2050, yep. as you know, hanging around this this valley, yep. we, we have some very imme- immediate problems Absolutely. that we want to solve now yep. and, and, you know, in the wonderful world of ag tech, there's what have we got to get done today? And, and a lot of people have talked about that, uh, Traditional venture capital money has kind of stayed, sat, sat a lot of this out because of uh, how long it takes to get a return. On the other hand, you're talking about seminal shifts from chemical to biological. Mm-hmm. So it seems it seems to me you are a very attractive investment uh, opportunity for folks who are thinking about a really big picture.
1: I I. I I would like to think so, right? I yeah, can't speak sorry. for our investors, but the, the key thing for us is how do you deploy capital to tackle these challenges? Right. And particularly when it's when you're in sort of a risky space with traditionally uh, what are perceived to be longer timelines, we think our approach, which is melding some of the approaches that people take from technology in terms of the cycles that we like to iterate on, right? So we're not a traditional company in that we're not seeking to go out the door with our final product and ship it nationwide, What we're doing is we're going out the door into commercially relevant settings as quickly as possible so that we can learn as quickly as possible. Because we understand that the the right solution to come from this approach is going to take an iterative approach. It's going to take an iterative strategy. So you've got to get information back from commercially relevant settings that's directionally Useful for the second version, so we call our first product. It's a beta version, right? In testing, and then it's you know version one, version two, version three, until we get to a point where the impact that we have is is um, is important enough for us to consider actually turning it into a product. So, how
0: how long does that product development cycle? Um, it very much, de-
1: yeah. So it very much depends on the um, uh, on, on the data that we're getting back from the field. So if our beta version is giving us amazing data, then then we can just go straight to a product that we're willing to ship right uh, straight away. And you know, sometimes we don't have the right dose for the particular crop, or sometimes we may have uh, the wrong combination for a particular crop. But as long as we're getting information back, we're learning. And as long as we're learning, we can t- can continue to optimize and develop something that'll delight our customers. Because at the end of the day. You know the folks uh, here in the Salinas Valley that that earn a living producing food for America. They're our customers, and if they're excited by the returns that they're getting by you know using our product on their crop, then then we're excited.
0: You know some of the conversations we've had along with you and Jamie have been uh, uh, you know we just simply want the opportunity to meet particular type of type, mm-hmm. types of growers. Uh, so what so. One of the issues from the uh, the growing side is, as as you know, there's, you know, we're working with some 50 plus companies and ag tech is, you know, there's a lot of activity in that space. So, have you found it? What once you make contact with growers, is it is it difficult to get their attention? Do they find it pretty easy to work with you, given the fact you're, you know, frankly, you're doing something very different. do they, and yeah. How do they respond? They must be kind of intrigued by
1: it as well. I mean, that's a great question, and I, I do, certainly don't want to brush farmers with one brush. Right. Yeah. There's yeah. a there's a there's a yeah. lot of diversity yeah. out yeah. there, yeah. and we certainly find that there's a subset of farmers who we consider to be early adopters who are who who are interested in science and the cutting edge of right. science are very excited about working with us they like our approach they like the fact that the solutions we offer are not only safe to the environment and the people who deliver them and the people who consume them but they're effective uh they're healthy they're organic and it's about soil health right for one of our products and the other product is phylosphere health so leaf health and fruit health so what we're trying to do very simply is bring the the microbes in the plant back to a healthy state because when those microbes are in in a healthy state They resist the ability of diseases to actually impact their plants. So that that resonates with farmers. And I I think, and particularly in this area, are the solutions, the products that we're developing are actually from the Salinas Valley, right? They're from the Salinas Watsonville area, uh, valley, and we're really excited about that because this isn't a microbe that was isolated somewhere in Canada or down in you know South America. This is a this is your own microbe. You guys should be excited about this. This is from the valley, and we're putting it back into the valley. And what we're doing is um, recreating a healthy microbiome for the plants so that pests can't impact their productivity.
0: So talk about how all of so so. In, When you take that leap forward to 2050 and you have to to feed more, the the nature of what you're doing. uh, How do we get from here to that? Yeah, and and I guess is what you're doing, in order to feed the planet at that point, we've got to work. It sounds like you're saying we've really got to orchestrate that shift. Uh, in a world that'll have fewer chemicals to more biologicals, mm-hmm. and so, yeah. so whose biomes wants to be one of the leaders in the Absolutely,
1: garden? I, I want to be very clear. I think microbials or biopesticides are a one element of the solution, yeah, right? There are a number of other components that sure. are critical for us to do well. Right. Um, and so let me just, you know, the, the reason we're, we're local and we're focusing on high-value crops is we want to demonstrate that the technology identifies microbes that are commercially viable, right? We could do that in row crops. It would take a lot longer and take a lot more, uh, cost a lot more money. So our goal is, once you've demonstrated that the technology does what we say it does, in translation, Translation is the biggest hurdle for any of these technologies, the, the, the step from high value crops to row crops is a, is a relatively menial, or a sort of, I don't want to in any way um, suggest that it's not gonna be a lot of work, but the risk is mitigated um, substantially, right? Because we've shown that we can do it once. So that's our approach, validated in high value crops, and then now we have more confidence from investors that we can do what we say we do and then leverage it straight into row crops right uh, th- you know pick a row crop that has big challenges like uh, like soy um, uh, you know, uh, wheat has a lot of issues, rice has a lot of issues. These are the crops that feed the world, right? These are the crops that provide the calories that feed the world. And, and just from fungi alone, right, annually, um, y- the amount of food to feed about 600 million people is is, is destroyed. Uh, this is conservative. It's destroyed just due to fungi, right? So we rarely we can have bigger impacts, but we can't do that, um, you know, by you know, we can't take 15 steps right away because we're small and we need to be focused. So we take one step right away. And then we leverage that step to take the other steps. So that's the strategy to get from Salinas to the world.
0: Well, sounds good. Well, Rob, you know, a couple of things. It sure sounds like an exciting future, and you guys are going to be in the middle of it. And I wish I had paid more attention in science when
1: I was in school. Well, thank I'm you. You, <laughs> um, uh, you know, to be very honest with you folks, we, we really appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to be at the Western Growers, um, the context that we've made being down here. Without those context, we would it would have taken us a lot longer to get to where we're at. Well, so you know, our
0: interest is uh, speeding everyone's time to market. So and, and we like
1: certainly appreciate that. that. So thanks a lot for thank your time. Thanks for listening
0: today. Voices of the Valley is brought to you by Western Growers Center for Innovation and Technology. And this episode has been sponsored by Hartnell Community College. Tune in for a new episode.